Well, good morning, Frontline Church, and to everyone else that is listening and watching this morning, welcome online with us. I'm excited to be with you all, and I'm trusting that as I bring the word today, you will be uplifted and empowered to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to do. Church, we're slowly coming out of lockdown, as you very well know, but it's still going to be a while before we can gather together and fellowship with one another at our church. I don't know about you, but I really miss the one-on-one interaction with you all. But we don't take for granted that we can still do church together, even if it is across the screen. And it certainly won't stop us from praising and glorifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So before we get started this morning, would you just give Jesus the greatest shout of praise that you can, even there in your living rooms or your bedroom, wherever you're watching from. Just don't wake your neighbors up, but let him know that he is exalted above everything and that he is welcome into your rooms this morning. Amen? He is worthy of our praise. Church, let's pray together this morning and commit this time to the Lord. Father God, we come to you today in the magnificent name of Jesus. Lord, we pray today that wherever we are emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that you would meet us at our very place of need. And Lord, that you would minister to us with such nearness and such tenderness that we would experience your life-changing power. Lord, let us not take your word for granted this morning, but let your word search out every dark area of our lives and purify us so that we can be the light in every dark situation and advance your mission in this world. Lord, I pray that as I bring your word of truth today, that you would anoint my lips and the ears that are listening. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Well, church, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, and I really want to speak to you about something that's been in my heart for a while. And I want to speak to you about what does it mean to be a bondservant? You would have seen the title of my message. And if you read your Bible, you would have seen this word mentioned a few times. As I was preparing this week, I felt the Lord directing me to speak on this subject. So I did quite a bit of research on this and, and listened to a few teachings. And what I'm going to share with you today, I believe will really identify the significance of a bondservant relationship between us and our master. And it's really a message on intimacy and abiding in the love of God. Last week, I spoke to you about being ready for the return of Christ and that we would be ready to magnify, glorify, and marvel at Him when He returns and not be ashamed. What's interesting, when John speaks about abiding in the love of God in the epistles of John, he says this in 1 John chapter 2. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. When John is talking about in his epistles is to abide, to rest, and to wait. The word abide means to rest or to wait for God. In other words, don't move without God. Wait till he moves. Move with God and rest in him. This is the principle of abiding in him, but that's a teaching for another day. And so we're going to look at the bondservant relationship and look at that from a practical point of view of how we can give ourselves to God. And what does He require of us? And on the back of last week's message, I want to know what He requires of us so that we have confidence when we meet Him. So church, there are two words in the Bible for the word servant. 
both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are two Hebrew words in the Old Testament for the word servant, and there are two Greek words in the New Testament for the word servant, and they have different meanings. The two Hebrew words are the words secure, which means a hired servant, and then there's the word ebed, which means a bondservant. Two completely different relationships. In the Greek, the two words that are used in the New Testament are the words diakonos, which is the word for deacon, or a servant, or a minister. And then we have the word doulos, which means bondservant. Again, two very different relationships. And I want us to have a look at what the Bible says specifically about the bondservant so that we can bring perspective to the message this morning. And if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Exodus chapter 21, and we'll pick it up from verse 2. This is what it says. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and, she, and he shall be his slave forever." You see, there came a time in the law where God wouldn't allow perpetual slavery. And in the seventh year, they could go free. But if that servant said, look, I don't want to go free. I want to serve you forever. My life is in serving you. Then a contract was written with the judges. And then they would take him to the doorpost of the house in which he served. And they would punch a hole in his ear. Sounds brutal, right? Because we're not just talking about a little ear piercing here. We're talking about a hole about the size of your pinky fingernail. You could see right through it. And that was just a symbolic act of saying that in this house, from now on, from this day forth, this servant belongs to his master. And so that's how he became a bond servant. He was bonded legally by law through the ritual of pinning his ear to the doorpost. And it was a lifelong commitment. It was a particular kind of commitment. Now, church, there are different degrees of commitment to the Lord with their corresponding responsibilities and rewards. I want to say that again because it's important. There are different degrees of commitment to the Lord with their corresponding responsibilities and rewards. We all have different degrees of our relationship and commitment and surrender and giving of ourselves to God. In Leviticus chapter 1, it talks about three levels of commitment and the bringing of the offerings. It said you could either bring a dove, which wasn't that costly, or you could bring a sheep, which was more costly, or you could bring a bullock, which was a young bull, and that was very costly. You see, there are different levels of commitment and cost. There were three levels in the tabernacle. There was the outer court, the holy place, and the Holy of Holies. There are three levels of fruit. 
30, 60, and 100-fold. And so becoming a bondservant is a particular kind of commitment and surrender. Andrew Murray, who was a well-known South African pastor and author in the late 19th century, and he was also known as champion in the revival of South Africa in 1860, wrote this in one of his books. And it's still just as relevant today. He said, what is the greatest need of the hour? Is it repentance? Is it revival? He said, what is the greatest need of the hour? And after a pause, he said, the greatest need of the hour is absolute surrender to God. Because if you do that, if there's absolute surrender, you'll get all these other things. Absolute surrender to God. So you may be asking, you know, what does that mean? How do we do that? How do we give ourselves to God in that way? What is the absolute surrender to God? Church, it's a bondservant commitment. It's absolute surrender to your master. The ear and the doorpost. You see, there's a difference between a hired servant and a bond servant. They had different relationships. Firstly, the hired servant gets wages for his work. He gets paid. Secondly, he can spend his wages as he likes. He has days off, and when he has days off, he can do what he wants. He can even marry whomever he pleases and can quit at any time and walk out. But he can also be fired, so it works both ways. But bond servants are different. Once the bond servant commitment is made, that servant has no days off. He's on call 24-7, 365 days of the year. He doesn't get paid. He has no money. He cannot own anything. He only has what the master gives him. He has no rights and can only marry whom the master of the house chooses so that's a bond servant commitment and as you can see it's not a light commitment it was a high calling it was a high commitment however on the other side of this the master was then committed to look after that servant for the rest of his life secondly the master will provide him with everything that he needs to do his work because everything that the master owns is now at his disposal. And thirdly, the master will protect him with his life. And the only requirement is that he must obey at all times. When John was writing in his epistles, he was writing about this concept of abiding in him and absolute surrender to the Lord. And in chapter 1, he began all of this teaching by saying, These things are right unto you, that your joy might be full. He said, if you do this, you're going to have unbelievable joy. You see, church, if we have this concept in life that you have to give up things for God, it's a wrong concept. You know, what's it going to cost me to serve God? What's it going to cost me to lay my life down? And John says, listen. I'm writing these things, but let's get this thing right from the start. I'm writing these things to you so that your joy might be full. Because there's no comparison in the exchange. But a lot of time we have this concept of, what am I giving up? What is it going to cost me? 
I mean, how is it possible for me to be a bondservant, give up all of my rights and, and still be free? But you see, we have no understanding of the freedom and life on the other side of this when we enter into a bondservant relationship. Church, when you look in the Bible, a bondservant was entrusted with everything his master owned. In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham was wanting to get a wife for his son Isaac. And so it says in verse 2 that Abraham said to his eldest servant, and it's the word bondservant, the eldest bondservant of his house, and listen to this, that ruled over all that Abraham had. This guy's a servant. He's a bondservant. But he ruled over everything that Abraham possessed. I mean, can you imagine this kind of relationship? This is no ordinary servant. I mean, Abraham was an incredibly wealthy man. He had tremendous influence, and it says this bondservant ruled over everything that Abraham had. That's incredible to me. And it says in verse 10 that the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. Church, I just want you to think about this for a second. He has access to all of this stuff. He had access to all of the wealth of his master to do his work. And he ruled over all that he had. A massive responsibility. And you know, he could have taken off with all the jewels and the silver and gold and camels and never returned. He could have gone off and started a brand new life just for him and his family and lived happily ever after. He had enough money to go off where no one would ever have found him, but he was a bondservant and Abraham could trust him. And you see, in a sense, he was a joint heir with Abraham because all of his master's goods was at his disposal to do what he needed to do. And so we have this concept of what a bond servant was really about. It's no ordinary servant. It's like a joint heirship. And there is tremendous responsibility and trust in this relationship. Church, there's something else I want you to see this morning with regard to the bond-servant relationship. The piercing of the ear. It was remarkably interesting because it symbolized several things. But the main thing that it symbolized was that from that moment on, that servant was committed to the master's voice. He had a mark on his ear, which symbolized from that day forward, he was committed to only one thing. Nothing else but the voice of his master. And out of that, a new hearing relationship was developed with his master. You know, in the consecration of the priests in Leviticus chapter 8 and chapter 14, it says that they were to put blood on the ear and oil on the ear of the priests. The blood sanctified or set the ear apart, and the oil anointed the ear to hear. So that ear was set apart for one purpose. The master's voice. And because of that, it was then anointed to hear. And with the bondservant, it was only when that hole had been punched through his ear that he had this new relationship. A new hearing relationship with his master. You know, church, it's very interesting when you look at the book of Isaiah and when it prophesies about Jesus, it shows that Jesus had a special hearing relationship with the father. 
And in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me, his servant, the tongue of disciples as one who is taught, that I may know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me morning by morning, and listen to this, he awakens my ear to listen as a disciple, as one who is taught. And the next verse says, The Lord God has opened my ear, and I have not been rebellious, nor have I turned my back. You know, a lot of people want to hear from God, but He wants to make sure that you're not going to turn your back and that you're not going to be rebellious. Jesus had a special hearing relationship. And it basically says that God opened His ear to hear His Master's voice. He'd hear the voice of the Father. And it said, The Lord God had opened my ear because I was not rebellious, nor have I turned my back. Very important. In Philippians chapter 2, it speaks of the Lord Jesus and says, Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. You see, Jesus had a bondservant relationship with his father. And because of that, he had a hearing ear. He had an ear that could hear his master's voice. Church, can you see how this is all coming together? Can you start to see the significance of a bondservant relationship? What's very interesting is that the word bondservant is mentioned 54 times in the Bible. And you'll see in many of the opening lines of the New Testament writers, they would open up by saying their names, followed by the word bondservant. For instance, Paul, writing in Romans 1, says, Paul, a servant of God. And it's the word bondservant. And again, when James opens the book of James by saying, James, the servant of God, it's the word bondservant. And it was the same with, with the other writers in the New Testament. Right at the beginning, they would make this declaration. I am a bondservant. I have a mark on my ear. I've made a commitment and I am surrendered to the voice of my master. You see, church, it's a life of willing sacrifice and surrender to God. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Not your over and above service, your reasonable service. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. And you know, church, thankfully we have this picture in the Old Testament of how the temples were dedicated and what happened when they were. And it's very important for us to know the significance of this because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want to show you something this morning. Moses, in the book of Leviticus, had been obedient to God in building the tabernacle. He had to get this blueprint from God. There was this heavenly blueprint in heaven, and he had to take that, what was already built in the heavens, and build it on the earth. 
And after a long time, the tabernacle was finally completed. And in Leviticus 9, Moses gathers all the people around and he says this remarkable statement to them. He says, this is the thing. This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. A remarkable statement. He said, the tabernacle is now complete. And if you do this next thing, the glory of God is going to appear. So I guess if we want to see the glory of God in our church and in our lives, we better find out what they did, right? What was this next thing that they were talking about? And so Moses says to Aaron in the next verse, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord God commanded you. And as you read on, you'll see that Aaron offered five offerings, the offerings that were laid out in Leviticus. It was the burnt offering, which signified the, the love for God and entire surrender to Him. There was the grain offering, which signified our lives as a living sacrifice. There was the peace offering, which spoke about coming into rest and communion. There was the sin offering that signified the payment of our sin nature. And then finally, there was the guilt offering that covered the, covered the forgiveness of committed sins, known and unknown, and the sins of our forefathers. And Moses said, look, if you do this now, you've built the temple, you've built the tabernacle. Now, if you do this thing, the glory of God is going to fill the tabernacle. And so Aaron gets down to it and he does all of these things because he's obedient to God. Because obedience is a big part of sacrifice. And then finally in verse 23 it says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. You know, church, here we have a manifestation of the glory of God, the power of God, and the fire of God. And it came because of these offerings, it came because of the sacrifice. And, church, the offerings speak of the giving of ourselves to God. It speaks of this bond-servant relationship of giving of ourselves to our master. You see, there was a depth of commitment and the giving of themselves to the Lord which prompted this response from God. A bond-servant relationship is very important, church. A bond-servant relationship is where God can trust us with asking for anything that we want because he knows the heart is committed to the master and the building of his kingdom, his household, and not our own. And whatever we sacrifice and surrender, God responds to that. It's a spiritual principle. Church, I cannot overestimate the time or the season that we're coming into. The power and the glory of it. And what God is going to do in the church and in the earth in a significant way. God is busy shaking things in this world. 
everything that was exalted is now being brought low. And we are coming into a time where I think that we as a people and you individually need to spend this next time between now and Pentecost giving yourselves to God. Establishing this kind of relationship. Get in there before the Lord and say, God, my whole life is in your hands. All my ambitions, everything that, that I own. I want to submit to your will and your purpose and what you want for me. All my possessions and all my finances, everything that I have belongs to you. It's not mine, it's yours. We establish a new kind of bond-servant relationship. And church, once that is done, you'll see the responsibility that God gives us and the provision that God gives us is out of this world because it's based on a heavenly blueprint. But remember, it's to do His will, not ours. He wants to bless you financially so that you can do the will of God. He wants to bless you with spiritual gifts to do His will. And when we come into that kind of relationship, the, mom, the master promised to look after you forever. He will provide you with everything that you need. Everything that you need to do His will. And He will protect you with His life. And church, we obey Him because we have a hearing relationship. God comes and He puts a stamp on your forehead. And He's committed to protect you and keep you. But He wants all of you so that you can have all of Him. Church, that's a bond-servant relationship. And I believe that over this next while, we have a window of opportunity. And we need to come before the Lord with real sincerity in our walk and our commitment to Him. And bring it before the Lord as to what we are willing to commit in the different areas of our lives to Him. And establish that kind of relationship. You see, God wants to cut through your plans and He wants to cut them out. And that's okay. Because most of the time, our plans are going to get us into trouble anyway. You know, sometimes inside of you, you'll have a mixture of God and you'll have a mixture of the world. And God has a way of, of weeding that out. He has a way of chopping that out and leaving what's left of Him. But it's a hard thing. It's your heart. What does your heart desire? You know, nobody's perfect, but God looks at your heart. And we need to say, God, I want to be your bondservant. I don't want to go free. I want to serve you and I want to be committed to you for the rest of my life. And he might deal specifically with areas in your life which you need to surrender to him. But it's the giving of yourselves to God. That's the point. Job wrote that your joy might be full. Because if you'll do this, you'll have the greatest release, you'll have the greatest joy, you'll have the greatest sense of living that you've ever had. And everything will become beautiful to you. You see, it's a heavenly exchange that takes place. Not something that you have to give up. It's a matter of you depositing something down and receiving back a hundredfold in God of life and blessing and security and all these other things. Church, God is getting ready for a great move across this land of South Africa. And we need to be ready for what He's going to pour out. 
And he's going to release power with real authority. And he's only going to do that with those that are willing to enter into a bondservant relationship. So that he can trust us with the responsibility to carry this power and responsibility and authority, right? To build his kingdom and not our own. And we will have an ear only to what the master says. And we will hear him clearly because we have established a hearing relationship through this bondservant commitment. You know, church, we've spoken about this before. A great harvest is coming into the church. And it's our responsibility to be ready within our hearts to receive that harvest and make them into the image of God. And I want to encourage you today, church, to prepare yourself for what God is going to do. You don't want to miss this. Because we're entering into an age in the church where we need to give ourselves to God. You know, just coming to church and, and listening to a sermon and just wanting to receive all the time, that's got to end. And when we make that kind of sacrifice and surrender our all and everything to Him, we will see the glory of God in our lives and we will see the glory of God in our church. And it will be so tangible that life will never be the same again. I'm really trusting for that. And so I'm calling you today to surrender everything that you have to your master. His name is Jesus. And just wait and see how he takes that sacrifice and multiplies it 30, 60, and 100 fold. And church, as I close this morning, I want to... I want to ask you, if you want to take this word for yourself today and you want to apply it to your life, would you raise your hands for me this morning? And we're going to pray together. And we're going to make a bondservant commitment to our Lord and Savior, our Master, Jesus Christ. If that's you, just raise your hands with me and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I want to be your bondservant. I want to serve you with my whole life. I want to commit the rest of my life and everything that I have to you. Lord, search out every dark area of my life and purify me so that I can live a life of sacrifice and complete surrender to your will and to your voice. Lord, open my ear to hear what you want me to do. Let me hear the mysteries of heaven's blueprint. Lord, pour out your spirit on me and fill me with power and authority so that I can get busy building your kingdom and your house, not my own. Lord, I enter into this bondservant relationship today with you because I want to give you all of me so that I can have all of you. And I pray that you would seal this today, this covenant and this relationship with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Church, it's been good to be with you again this morning. We look forward to reconnecting again with you soon. Have a blessed day further, and we miss you and love you very much.